fact we're here, we're queer and questioning or questionable. I don't know. What do we think? This is, it's weird to be sitting back here looking into your faces again after sort of like two months of not doing this. Not that we've not stopped talking, but. After our failed attempt at an in-person podcast. Dear God. We should talk about that. (laughs) We should really talk about that. It was bad. So remember, you know, at the very end, we were doing like our New Year's wishes, everybody. And we were like, we can't wait to do a podcast episode in person. Well, we tried. (laughs) And it turns out we have absolutely no chemistry in person. We have. Part of the problem problem was there was a lot of chemistry happening within our bodies. Yes. There was a lot of alcohol. There was other things. Other things? It sounds like... Erica Erica was farting. It was weird. I did not. Did I fart? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Like, you could tell me that I farted violently and I would have been like, oh, that tracks. (laughs) So don't make that a rumor. Kirk drank three bottles of wine. I don't know. Kirk went on a fucking tirade. I'm not going to expose him, but I just want everyone to know not to trust her. <laughs> if they listen to any of this podcast, they know that already about Kirk. They know. They know. That is not. Okay, well, let's carry on. <laughs> hey, let's carry on. Let's carry on. So, yeah, starting off with a another episode of Let's Unpack That with an incredible ability to disconnect from the reality of his own personality, feelings, and historical trauma, this guy really puts the Q in QAnon. Podcast producer and co-host Andrew Negi, welcome back to Let's Unpack That. I am I'm thrilled to be back. I've spent all my time away collecting all the conspiracy theories that I could find. Thrilled to have <laughs> you here. She's got a Kim Kardashian romp and a Chris Kardashian thirst for problematic partners. Please welcome to Inside Your Ears, megastar and co-host Erica Wait, I love that. I mean, Kim Kardashian, first of all, my ass matches my thighs. So, Kim Kardashian, who? Except in that picture you sent today. (laughs) (laughs) My God. That's something we need to, we're going to have to dig into that. That picture of your... your (laughs) Listen, it's not my fault. God blessed me with a fatty and a baddie. I thought you were going to say in a daddy. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Speaking of daddies, he's a fan of tacky wall art and cursive decal stickers that say live, laugh, love. Please join me in tolerating his gay lisp for the next hour. Last minute add-on and co-host Kirk Wilson. (laughs) Paul. Paul Andrew. <laughs> well, I have three things to say. <laughs> I have my cl- my tongue clipped when I was a child, so I wouldn't have a lisp. <laughs> second, second, I I will let you call me last minute out because I was an hour late. Third, I don't have cursive decals anywhere in my home or on my car. <laughs> I do have wall art that is tacky if that's what you believe it is but i believe it to not be so that's all up to personal um personal kirk so my read, a tacky person my saying just, something is not tacky just means that it is in fact tacky he's, he's the he's the lawn ornament of podcast <laughs> co-hosting <laughs> oh, he's our little I garden mean, gnome 
I'm your gnome. Oh, that's cute. I think gnomes are cute. So I think that is cute. <laughs> um, well, welcome back, guys. Super excited uh, to jump into this episode with you all. Um, so kind of shifting up our formats a little bit. We're going to now release two episodes a week. That'll be a little bit shorter, but kind of the same level of content. Uh, the first episode is all about unpacking the news, unpacking the headlines you might have missed. And then the second episode is going to be a deeper dive into one really specific topic with a new segment called Pack It Up, where we tell someone that they need to leave, pack their suitcases, collect their luggage, do not look at the emergency ag- exit rows, and just disappear. So um, with that, we're going to take a quick break before we jump back into our headlines for the week. Erica, I want to start this break by asking you how your plants are doing, because mine are thriving. Bitch! Um, they're doing great. My Sansevieria Sayori has exited its dormant phase and I have a lot of sprouty boys coming in and my propagations are fucking popping right now. Is it normal for this time of the year for the propagations to be like just everybody in the club is jumping, jumping? Because every day I look over, there's a new root somewhere in this room and I get so excited. I'm going to ignore that Destiny's Child reference. Um... I think it is like it's they're quite frankly getting more sunlight throughout the day. So my girls are all happy. And honestly, like they're starting to trail, which is sexy. It is. And I think you guys all know because you follow Erica on Instagram, but it is springtime now, which means it's the perfect time to start propagating plants. No more using old pasta jars and tiny test tubes. We are stepping up our propagation game with the help of our podcast sponsor, Modern Botanical. They're a small business located in San Diego, California, using sustainably sourced wood to create handcrafted propagation frames that can be installed anywhere in your home in under a minute. And if you're a new plant mom or dad, they also sell lovingly cultivated plants to get your collection started. That's where I got my Monsteras. That's where I got my Golden Pothos. And they are gorgeous. The modern design of the frames make them a perfect addition to any room where they are displayed on your walls or on top of a flat surface. And the tubes are large enough to let your plants grow in water for really as long as you want, making them both functional and beautiful. So visit modernbotanical.shop and use our code ITSPAUL20 for 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. Again, that is modernbotanical.shop and use the code ITSPAUL20. All right, well, we are back and this is our headline segment of the episode. And this is where we unpack talk about, reflect on a headline that you may have missed from last week. Um, Who wants to go first? Andrew, you typically kick us off. What is your headline for the week? Probably everybody's heard about the little kerfuffle down in Georgia about Major League Baseball and how they've moved everything to Colorado from Georgia because of the new voting law. That's not something that anybody would have missed. Obviously, Pretty much every major Republican out there has been saying that this is some heinous attack on the American people. It's the lefties taking over. Um, It's horrible identity politics. Anyway, we've all heard this shit. Well, McConnell, of course, my good friend, the ancient sea turtle, um, 
he, of course, said some pretty strong stuff about corporations, um, which is kind of interesting because, you know, obviously the Republicans are the party of capitalism. And, and man is funded by corporations. A hundred percent. And everybody was cool with Hobby Lobby. Everyone on the right was cool with Hobby Lobby, um, not wanting to pay for contraception in their benefits package, all of that shit. And he was warning that companies would face, quote, serious consequences if they became a, quote, vehicle for far left mobs to hijack our country. Everybody heard that. What's interesting is, is this week he's actually walked that back, probably because he realized that the capitalist dick is so far up his ass and he needs anything possible these days to get off. So he needed to walk this shit back. Well, when, you're, when your hand is that dead. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> you he have to have another. He, he just doesn't have the blood flow to the prostate anymore. He needs it full force. <laughs> Erica's face, I, I know this is a, a you know not a visual medium, but Erica's <laughs> face right now is amazing. I just like this is a slight sidebar. I just don't understand like how where prostates are. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're gonna have to table that one. But we don't Kirk, give us your tagline, please. Carry on. So the quote here is Um, McConnell said on Wednesday, I didn't say that very artfully yesterday. They're certainly entitled to be involved in politics, meaning companies. They are involved in politics. My principal complaint is they didn't read the darn bill. Um, Fuck you. Come on. You can't have it. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot eat your homophobic cake and have it too. Oh my God. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't, this this is like the we see we've seen so many examples of hypocrisy on the right for so long. This is just the most recent example of it, where when businesses want to fuck over people, I mean, like Amazon is trying everything they possibly can to not get its workers to unionize. That's a okay. Um, but if a business decides, and let's be real, the MLB is not doing this out of any kind of sense of altruism. They're doing it because they've read the room and they've said, you know what, <laughs> right. this is this yep. is going to be a good PR move for us. It's going to generate some controversy. It's going to generate talk about us. Like, let's go ahead and do this. And now that's suddenly a problem for the right that a business has decided to do whatever it is they feel like they need to do. I mean, you know, I mean, if this is going to ultimately hurt the MLB, Okay, fine. Then let that be borne out if people are mad about it and they boycott the World Series or whatever, which they're not going to do. They're not going to do because sports are also their personality. I just the whole thing frustrates me to to no end, frankly, you know, and I do believe that there's like a good healthy amount of nuance to like this whole Georgia conversation of you have people like Stacey Abrams, John Ossoff and like Raphael Warnock being like, we don't want the MLB to move the game because we know the people who need these jobs. Like we know these people have struggled for income for so long. Can the MLB take a stance, you know, and say that this is wrong, but say, you know, people need jobs. They need to make sure that they, you know, are getting compensated, but maybe there won't be any like government benefit. Like, 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 can we figure out something else around here? Like there was more for us to talk about rather than just like, let's boycott and move it. Like, I I don't say there's a middle ground. I just think that there's like additional detail that like 
moving the game doesn't solve anything. You know, the MLB is so powerful and couldn't they have just, you know, done something, but there, there's so many layers to this. It's like, it's, it's McConnell. It's, you know, like voters in Georgia, <laughs> it's uh, the MLB, it's other corporations like doing things and resuming their donations back after the insurrection. Like there's so much within this story that it is honestly difficult to like summarize what the fucking issue is here. Um, but it like McConnell is exactly like how you said it. Like you just can't, you know, have your cake and eat it too. You cannot play both sides in this area and say businesses can do whatever they want, but no, also like they can't. It's just, I get very frustrated by it. This is just another example of how there's no nuance in any of these discussions. You know, there's legitimate criticism here um, on the right where where people are pointing out all of Coca-Cola's flaws. Like Coca-Cola is a heinous company and this is a performative thing for them to, to come out and make a statement about Georgia's voting laws. Like, uh, what about the fact that all of the plastic floating around in the Pacific Ocean right now is from Coke products? Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's very real um, nuance to this, but n- no one is having this nuance, or at least none of the major players. McConnell and, and other major Republicans having no nuance to their reactions to this. And then on the flip side, MLB, Coca-Cola, does that really help? Because again, there's very legitimate criticism where there's tens of thousands of black owned small businesses in Georgia and in the Atlanta area that could use that business right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is extremely complicated. And I think it'll be something interesting, like looking at the impact, like when, HR1, which is the Voting Rights Act, you know, or the new expanded kind of Voting Rights Act, once this eventually makes it to the Senate floor. I'm really curious to see what it does. Um, Erica, what about you? What's your headline for the week? So my, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's in the headlines, but um, I feel like it's just like an ongoing slow burn, but I've been following the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, which has apparently turned into the George Floyd trial, um, if you kind of see the approach that that the defense is taking, but it's just been really interesting. I mean, they had, um, I believe she was like nine years old. I know for a fact that she was under the age of 18 because they didn't release the girl's full name. Um, And they didn't show her on the trial proceedings, but she testified in court and the defense kind of opened up this window because it was actually her video. The video that she took is the one that went viral. Mm. Um, and it's the one that I still cannot get myself to watch and I don't think I need to watch it. But the defense asked her this question of basically, um, how has taking that video impacted your life? Which was a weird question. And I'm sure the prosecution was excited when they asked that question because she basically answered like when like I see every night I cry because I see my dad, my brother, my cousins, my friends, like these are all black men. And I think like, what could I like, I should have stepped in, I should have, you know, physically done something. And it was like, super emotional and when you're listening to it you forget that it's a nine-year-old girl um Mm -hmm. and I think what makes it so hard is every person that they that has been um brought up to testify you can almost sense the trauma behind it too um because 
there's a point where they have the medical or a medical professional come in and he says at that point George Floyd or Mr. Floyd lost his life or like his life leaves his body Mm. Um, and I think that it humanizes the situation in the sense that like I think George Floyd is more of a name than he is a person and I think part of that is because it's this identity that came into our life as it had already left our Mm -hmm. world um but it kind of humanizes a situation where like you're seeing every person's angle of it and you're seeing the trauma behind it and how much this the actions of this officer and the other officers um I mean not only did it literally end a life but I think it also ruined several lives with it so um it's one of those things where I encourage everyone to watch um MSNBC is actually doing a pretty good job of kind of having professionals come in and pulling out the bigger um, revelations of the day. Like when they have their medical professionals come, it is super technical and it's not exciting or it's not courtroom TV, but it's still worth following. Um, And so far, Derek Chauvin has absolutely no case whatsoever. If he (laughs) receives anything less um, than the fullest extent of the punishment by law, then, I mean, it, it's going to be like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to that point, this is also a great time to start having those conversations with family members who took that, their uh, terrorist excuse, especially after January 6th. Agreed. Yeah. Erica, to your point, I haven't been watching it intently, but I've been like at the end of the, each night kind of going in and watching clips and kind of seeing what's been being said and being done. And I think that when I watched her um, clip and her speaking, it is it is true that it, he becomes a person. I think it really like and I, I'm, I think I, we all fall victim of this. I think I mean, when I hear people at work or a lot because it'll be referred to as like, well, you know, back when like George Floyd happened. Like it's like a, it's an event. It's like yeah. a, mm-hmm. it's like a, the protest. It's the I mean, George it's, Floyd protest. Become a movement. Yeah. I mean, George Floyd himself is now a movement. So it's and not that that's right or wrong, but it takes away from. I, I forget that George Floyd was a person that died. Like that is what caused that is what causes yeah. one specific instance. But obviously, it's been happening to many, many black men and, and black people. But um, it is really interesting to see that through this, you're kind of seeing him dehumanized again, and also dehumanized because you have the, the defense coming in and saying things about you know his. Um, under the influence whatnot. I think this this afternoon actually I saw that that was the doctor has ruled that that's just not the case right finally he said that that um, was not the cause of death at all fentanyl Mm -hmm. or anything Um, but yeah I think that I and I also saw I saw a meme or not a meme something on Instagram that was a picture or or a graphic that was saying that it's quite only somewhere like America would there be a trial this long for um, a death that or murder that happened on videotape from start to finish yeah, yeah. I, I saw that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's true. I mean, it, the, there is no part of that death and that murder, sorry, that is not documented visually. It's all from angles. From mm-hmm. several, I mean, there's CCTV, there's body cams, there's cell phones. And like like Kirk said, the defense, or the defense, sorry, the prosecution brought in plenty of experts that were basically saying his breathing was inconsistent from someone who's on fentanyl. Um, his fentanyl levels were low. And then they even test, they even said like at this point, like he was still talking, 
because that was what he could do. But you can reach a certain level of airway constriction where you can talk, but eventually you still do die. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think about how much, like these are taxpayer dollars. Like, let's not forget the fact that like all the people who live in that district um, are paying for Derek Chauvin and Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think it does bring a lot to police reform. I think that we should treat police officers as we do doctors when it comes to insurance, Um, which is if a doctor commits malpractice, the hospital is not the one who has to pay someone to come in to, you know, represent this doctor. Um, And so I think, I hope that this also kind of gets the police force to shift and think, okay, well, if we put the legal repercussions on these officers instead of us covering it for them, then maybe that puts more, like they're going to be more responsible about how they police and think, okay, if I break this person's arm, that's on me. If it's deemed excessive, that's on me. And I still need to defend myself. And it's crazy because other public servants, like emergency medical personnel, Mm -hmm. they can be personally liable. It's only the police. They're really the only people out there that have qualified immunity. It's crazy. My job is a video producer. If I dropped a heavy light fixture on somebody and split their skull open, I would probably get fired and I would definitely be liable for that injury to that person. Yeah. Because that would Mm -hmm. be my negligence. And, you know, that's kind of a silly thing but like any nurse that is negligent in their job with a patient would be liable at the very least they would get fired nurses can lose their license for like smoking weed like you know never be able to work again like just... meanwhile nurses get the fucking shit beat out of them like right, you have yeah. a nurse friend especially depending on where they like what unit they're in they get thrown into walls they break bones And management's just like, (laughs) teachers too, you know, teachers at a lot of different schools too are are victims of violence. I feel like you guys have hit on, you know, so many good, good points here. I think, you know, Kirk, you touched on, you know, the humanization aspect. And that's something I still think about sometimes like that. You kind of feel like George Floyd, you kind of feel like Breonna Taylor, you kind of feel like these people are still alive because we're talking about them all the time. But the only reason we're talking about them is because they were murdered. It's such a weird kind of thing to process that you're, and again, it's, it's not to center myself or think about myself, but it's like, it's like, I don't even know how to think about this because I'm like, in my mind, I'm somewhat grateful for these people because they were victims of horrible crimes, but maybe, maybe like some change can happen. Like I saw that New Mexico just ended qualified immunity. Like that is a huge step in a state that's not particularly, you know, blue, you know, it's kind of an interesting part of the country for for that to happen. You know, I think like Erica, you, you talked about like the importance of watching the trial. I've even heard people say, I can't watch that because I just know how it it ends because I know how this justice system ends. It's just this is like a thing that I I hope, you know, we can dedicate some time, maybe next podcast episode to really talk about this, you know, in like a full fleshed out concept, because there's so many thoughts I still have. And there's so many things that like 
we're still learning and there's footage we're seeing for the first time, you know, and there's testimony that just got lost in the mess of infographics that, you know, in, in large part I created, you know, and with a lot of other people. So there's like, there's so many things that we missed because we weren't listening. We just jumped straight to action. And I hope that this allows us to kind of focus on that humanization aspect. Again, it allows us to focus on the horror of the tragedy, not think about, oh, well, the Republicans are telling us that the Black Lives Matter protesters are terrorists. And that's what we're talking about now. Like that is just a distraction from the very core issue with which Erica, you identified as this is taxpayer funded murder like the uh, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, even I, I just can't. I, I know it's be, it got debunked, not debunked. It got prosecution kind of. We brought the doctor in today to say that that the cause of death obviously wasn't any sort of drugs. But even like if he was on drugs and he was on fentanyl and fentanyl was in his system and did they not see the guy on his neck for nine minutes? I just that's what I don't get. Like I just right. don't, I don't get how like it's very reminiscent of the same thing they say of um, not all these people died of COVID. They had cancer or they have right. this that yeah. Yeah. no 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 like it's like it's it's very it's weird like it's just this weird like logic of they don't want to blame what actually happened um which isn't them it's a, this singular police officer or covid like why are they trying i just it's, it's i'll never get it it's like picking the, the we it's it's weird it's, ju- it's justifying it yeah that's all it is but it, but it makes no sense like you can see the guy sitting on his kneeling on him for nine minutes yeah. like what matters what's it's just i don't i don't know i don't know how you can think like oh it's not that yeah yeah it's like what the fuck is it that just happened he happened to be there while he was dying of fentanyl right right yeah what's sickening to me is is especially from people who would consider themselves pro-life this demonstrates they're 100 okay with human beings dying and dying horribly and dying in a way that everybody can see you know all but live streamed to the world. He did nothing that deserved death in that moment. He didn't commit a crime that deserved death. He didn't, I mean, he was a little bit, he was resistant and and he was maybe belligerent, but none of that justifies the treatment that he got. You know, they were not clear about what they wanted him to do. He was, he's a black man in America. I don't think I would have been terribly calm or respectful in that moment either because it you know seeing the the body cam footage it's like what do they want him to do why are they there why are they asking him to step out of the vehicle it's not clear they're already at you know basically a 10 walking up to the guy Mm. you know i i think just like we all kind of have to realize like the police are not here for us you know and and this this is obviously something that affects Black Americans and especially Black men, disproportionately from everybody else. But it is sort of a all of us issue in that, like, these are the police that are supposed to be protecting and serving, and this is how they behave. Um, mm-hmm. And they're allowed to just kill somebody in the street. And without all of this backlash, like, there had to be literal riots all summer long for anything to happen. If that had not happened, none of us would have even heard about this. It would have just kind of gone away like every other police killing. Mm-hmm. I think you're, I think you're dead on and, and definitely, you know, more to come on this. You know, I definitely want to dedicate some, some time to it um, because it is the thing that, you know, 
has made us a podcast that more people listen to now. You know, it is the thing that, you know, makes me have followers on Instagram for whatever crazy fucked up reason, you know, um, but that's our platform and, and, you know, we need to own that. Um, you know, Kirk, I'd love to hear kind of like what your headline is too. You know, I know we were kind of joking beforehand to, to bring something into a lighter note. I don't know if that's your actual headline or if um, you have a different one. And mine is not on a lighter note, but it's not. not <laughs> that's on okay. The news is not necessarily light. It's on, I think a, that that's, it's on a note no one wants to hear. Um, I don't I, it just because I feel like we're, I feel like we can get some eye rolls, but I mean, I think it's something I want to, I want to hear because as I was something to keep hearing as this um, pandemic seems to be ending, people think um, obviously it's in a different state of, of it, which I'm happy to be where we are now, as opposed to where a few months ago to a year ago, blah, 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 blah. But um, I think we still need to be pretty vigilant. And one of the headlines I saw today on CNN was that I'll just read it. Um, Fauci says new COVID-19 cases are at a disturbing level as the U.S. is primed for a surge. And I don't need to mean to be the Debbie Downer and who knows if we actually will surge, but I know we're getting around 61,000 new cases yesterday. Um, a lot a lot amongst younger people, which is better news because it's probably more um, sustainable cases in terms of the, the health of the person. But um, I think something we I need to hear, we all need to hear, I know that a lot of us on this pod right now are either fully or half vaccinated. Um, which is great. And I think a lot of people are, I mean, 33% of the population I think is currently, which is a good number on, I think over a hundred million people have the vaccine, but knowing that you can still get it with the vaccine. So let's keep our masks on. Let's keep social distancing. Let's not go to a club. Let's stay outside. Let's, if we're going to gather, gather smartly, um, you know, ease into life, but not ease into it too much. It's kind of scaring me seeing that the new variants and everything. And I know people that have gotten COVID since getting the vaccine. Um, obviously, again, they don't have it to the degree of the way people have been having it without the vaccine. But I think we still need to understand that it's still here and that um, we don't want to go backwards. And we might be. Um, yeah. You no, know, we have vaccine. Not saying don't get, and this isn't like, well, then what is, why are we getting vaccinated? I don't think that's what we're trying to say, but no, no, I, 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 first, I appreciate you bringing this up and this is definitely something we're going to cover on the episode later this week. This to me is one of the big frustrations I have with the media. Um, and now you have a bunch of these Republicans saying COVID's going to go away when, you know, when Biden becomes president, that's what they were shouting all, you know, like summer and they were yeah. shouting it all fall and all winter, like the media is going to stop caring about it. And you know what? We haven't stopped talking about COVID. Biden, especially, and Jen Psaki have not stopped talking about COVID, which I'm very grateful for. But when Joe Biden held his first press conference, all they asked about was the situation at the border. And that is something that we need to talk about, of course. But the fact that on the day that Biden announced that we were going to have 200 million people vaccinated, he was doubling his vaccination goal that, you know, he was challenging states to move forward. Not one person from the Washington press asked him about COVID and the press plays into a lot of the things that we think about, care about and talk about. And I don't say that it's like we're being manipulated by the media. I just say like they have a responsibility to protect us and to still talk about COVID. So for them to not allow the president of the United States really the opportunity to, to talk about it, to expand on it, that's just a signal to people that, oh, we care about the border now or, oh, we care about the Voting Rights Act now, or, oh, we care about the jobs plan now, or, oh, the, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but there is still a pandemic going on. And and I get very frustrated at this stuff 
like I watched that press conference and like I was expecting from like some like more progressive people I follow. They're like, watch the press isn't going to ask anybody about COVID. They're not going to talk about COVID. They're not going to. And I was like, there's no way you can't not not ask about COVID. And then they didn't. And I'm just like, we do need to stay home. We do need to stay safe. The CDC has released guidance for people who can travel when they're vaccinated, which is very exciting. But if you're not fucking vaccinated, be smart about who you're getting together with. It's just we can't risk losing any more people and and we continue to do it. So Kirk, I'm so grateful you brought that up because like, I absolutely am so hot about it still. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I also, I need to hear it. You know what I mean? It's like bringing it up. is like, I think we all need to hear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just something to, I forget about it to your point because it's not talked about anymore because it's because everyone thinks it's, we're in this endemic, but I just think that um, it needs to be something we need to be vigilant about. Agreed. My headline kind of ties back into something that Andrew was talking about. Andrew mentioned that, um, you know, there's sort of like a level of hypocrisy on the Republican side, which I think we've all talked about many times before in this podcast. A couple things with this story. So today, um, Biden gave a speech and was talking about some executive actions that he's going to release um, for gun violence and preventing gun violence in America. Um, very exciting. That means, again, our protests work, our calls work. The pressure that the media puts on him works like he's probably not where we would most of us who identify as progressives would want him to be on guns but the fact that he had you know some orders coming out he talked about some really like interesting stuff too in his proposal but during you know his his kind of like press conference slash announcement you know he made a mistake and he said that anyone who goes to a gun show can buy a gun without a background check and that is something that um, Democrats have said for a long time that's not necessarily true. But when Biden said this thing that was not true, to me, it honestly just sounded like he was kind of just like saying something generally, like without meaning to be specific, but he wasn't. That, that, that's the stuff that the media is going to eat apart as they do. Immediately, Fox News, Breitbart, everybody fucking blew up about Biden lies, you know, during the executive order. Biden lies on gun access. Biden lies on background checks. It was like full of misleading statements. Number one, Republican hypocrisy. They never, ever, ever called out Donald Trump for doing that. And I'm not saying that Joe Biden shouldn't tighten up his speeches because he absolutely should. Um, but just the fact that they're going to go and be like, oh my God, the president is lying to us. So I dug into the numbers because I was not going to believe these headlines that like Joe Biden was very clearly outward lying. Um, so I went like into some of the research. I went into like PolitiFact and then a couple other like anti-gun lobbyists, you know, so again, take my sources for what they are. But, you know, it talked about who can purchase a gun at a gun show. Um, and if you're a federally licensed gun dealer, you can you have to sell with background checks. But if you're not federally licensed, if you're just like an individual private seller like Andrew selling to Erica, you know, you don't need to do a background check. You can just sort of like pass them around type of thing. And also you don't have to wait for the background check to clear. You can just sort of like sell it right there. So like there is a level of truth in what he said. It's just maybe not 100% the full truth. He can't make an absolute statement like that. So then like I dug in a little bit deeper and it said 13% of people who were surveyed over the past two years said that they had purchased a gun without a background check. 13 
percent of people it's still a lot of fucking people mm-hmm. and that to me 30 percent of gun owners like there are so many gun owners there are more guns than people in the united states i think what did we say there's like 450 million or something guns like that it's some uh, insane number more than 330 million so again, 13% of people, depending on how many guns they're buying with 400 million guns plus, you know, in the United States, that's massive. And I think the larger point that gets missed when everybody's focused on this lie is that 22 states don't have laws around this stuff. So 13% of all guns is a massive amount when 80 of Democrats support background checks and 79% of Republicans support background checks. So if everybody supports background checks, why are we getting up in arms about something that Joe Biden said that just wasn't super clear? And again, he should be at this point in his career, he should have tighter speeches. But like, it just blows my mind, you know, just the, the level of all of a sudden they're willing to jump on some facts. Oh, expose uh, Joe Biden, like liar, hypocrite. Like, let's just talk about the facts, please. There are gun show sales. We can close that loophole. That's exactly how the Columbine, the gun that was used in the Columbine shooting, the, the kind of like mass murder in schools to begin all murders in schools like that's how that gun was purchased so why are we still having this fucking conversation 20 years from now 20 years from 20 years ago i can't even say what i'm trying to say because i'm so mad (laughs) 20 years from now 20 years i'm I'm living in the future we're gonna be having this conversation 20 years from now they don't plan on Quite being frankly, here 20 years from now. I don't want to be here 20 years from now. <laughs> How many times did, did Trump lie? Every fucking day. Multiple times per day. Nonstop. And, and what was the excuse? Oh, well, he just shoots from the hip. Oh, he's just passionate. He just talks, you know, he just is saying what he feels. And he loves America. He, yeah. You know, it's because he loves America so much. He's just saying what he feels. And, oh, maybe it wasn't really, really, really that right. But who cares? Like, he's a good guy. Like, there really isn't that good of an excuse for it. But they made excuses for it. And now, of course, they're willing to analyze every single thing that Biden says with a fine tooth comb, which we absolutely should do. But this is hypocrisy. Jen Psaki, press secretary, is backtracking after something Joe Biden said. I was like, like, like this, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. It just is so ridiculous. That's not at all. You know, again, he's the president. His speeches should be tightened up. Absolutely. But is this a backtrack? Is this a scandal? Is this him hiding the truth? No, this is a fucking guy who has never stuck to a script his entire life, you know, mm-hmm. and like accidentally misquoted a statistic and exaggerated it a little bit, but there's still a very real problem here, you know? And didn't they love Trump for that? I mean, he never stuck to his script. Yeah. I miss Kaylee McEnany. (laughs) (laughs) She, you know, so she now, what she does on Twitter, because I'm a fucking masochist, I go on her Twitter during Biden's press conferences and she goes, Kaylee will be fact-checking this right now. And then she goes... Biden lie number one, Biden lie number two, hashtag fact check, hashtag POTUS lies. I'm like, this is insane. This is insane. Like, of course, yeah, Joe Biden said stupid fucking shit in his first press conference about the border. Absolutely. Is his policy still like very sound? Yeah. Have I ever trust Joe Biden to effectively deliver a message for anyone? No, absolutely not. Like, I'm not admitting my, my leader is not like infallible, but it's just the, the level of in 
insanity, you know, like that they try to call out and the hypocrisy that they try to call out is just so frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. That's our headlines. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Uh, Well, we hope you enjoy those headlines. This is our, you know, episode one of two of the week. So we will have an episode coming um, and we are going to unpack our anxiety about things getting back to normal now that we are vaccinated. So um, we hope you stick around for that episode. We hope that you enjoyed this one. If you did, um, please like, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, share with your therapist, share with your Republicans. Please consider, um, you know, leaving us a, a review. Um, obviously, that helps. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on um, Spotify, and we are now also on Google Play. So um, you can find us now in multiple places. We will talk to you again soon. This has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. (laughs) 